0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Escaping Collectivism. This week we will be discussing common ground. To begin with let's start with the Chicago election. I believe everyone is happy that Lori Lightfoot is finally out of the mayor's office. Although when you do a breakdown of where the votes came from you can see that most of the voting occurred upon racial lines uh, and Tim Poole does an excellent job, and I will have his analysis linked in the description of this podcast. So Lori Lightfoot only got 17% of the vote. Paul Vallis uh, was in the lead with 33.7, Brandon Johnson with 20.3, and Chuy Garcia was in fourth behind Lori Lightfoot with 13.74. I believe Brandon Johnson will be the one who pulls the win in the April runoff, and that is due to if the voting continues in the patterns that it has, then I think most of uh, Garcia's and Lightfoot's vote will fall behind Brandon, which would push her, um, and and most of the other candidates as well, which which would push her over the 50% of the votes cast that uh, he needs. So Brandon Johnson is a very left-leaning individual, but after going through his policies, uh, I think there's some common ground and some some things that we can agree on. Uh, So let's take a look at his policy that he's proposing for Chicago and see if we can agree. So we're gonna start with the housing crisis and what he wants to do there. He wants to investigate the Chicago Housing Authority and how they've handled their funds. And I, I think the investigation of government divisions and government branches to make sure they're being efficient is a wonderful idea. I absolutely, absolutely agree with this. Um, now where I, I begin to have a few issues with some of his his housing crisis, um, his, his plan to tackle the housing crisis, he plans to tax uh, or add an increased sales tax on properties that sell for over a million dollars. He wants to provide legal counsel to people being evicted at taxpayer expense. And he wants to work with banks to create loans for people who would not qualify for a standard loan. Uh, we saw this in the 2008 housing market and the crash. Um, it does not work well. So that that last one is could be very bad for the city of Chicago and is something that hopefully if he wins, his advisors and his staff will help talk him out of. So on to the budget. Um, you know, there's the usual talk of we're going to tax the rich, we're going to make people pay their fair share. You know, that's it's an interesting proposal that could very well drive out a lot of people would otherwise invest in chicago and provide business but he does have a, a partial plan to adjust uh, to address that concern he wants to tax non-chicago based businesses more that operate non-chicago based businesses that operate in chicago he wants to tax them more than chicago based businesses that operate in chicago part of the issue that's going to be a bit of a problem, is he's going to want to tax suburbs to pay for city issues. Um, Which, you know, the, the beginning of this country there was the whole bit of no taxation without representation. So we'll see how well that goes over trying to tax people who do not live in the city to pay for the city. He wants to bring back the head tax, which would be $4 per employee. Uh, for some of the larger businesses that work there and he wants to bring back a jet fuel tax which is just going to drive business out of O'Hare you will not have people flying into Chicago um, that while it would increase tax revenue in theory I think will have a, a higher impact on keeping business out of Chicago because the flights will increase their prices to cover the loss that they are paying for in these taxes so where we get to schooling there's not much that i agree with johnson on his schooling plan when you're reading through his page his first point is about providing aid for immigrants even if they are legal he wants to increase funding for the English. English uh, language centers and to increase for people who are learning English as a second language, which is a valiant effort, but if we're doing that for just people who are illegal immigrants and we are providing more U.S. taxpayer aid to people who are putting no money into the system then we are pissing money away. In Chicago, the minimum wage is fifteen forty, but he states that even though that's what most uh, aid workers and daycare professionals are making, that that is not a sustainable living wage. So that kind of puts a little bit of a nail in the coffin of the idea that if you just increase minimum wage, then it becomes sustainable. The problem is, is when you increase the supply of money into the economy like what Chicago has done your cost of living increases if there's more money then prices will go up so trying to address it by increasing wages will not solve this problem a phenomenal point that he wants to do is he wants to increase the flow of people into the trade schools which is phenomenal we need to be telling people that the path to success is not always linked to a college degree you can succeed in America by doing hard work and if you are trained in a skill you are extremely valuable so I I have to commend Johnson for that, that is a wonderful wonderful idea to want to push more students towards the trade schools. Phenomenal. He does want to provide free childcare, which there is no such thing as free. People have to work, people will get paid, just because it's at no cost to the parents monetarily does not mean you are losing something else. He wants to get rid of funding in schools on a per-student basis, which, at the start of, sounds nice, But what that means is that we will be going to funding equity. So no matter how many students are at the school, money will be going to the failing schools more so than it is going to the succeeding schools, which will only bring the succeeding schools down. I think we need to keep the funding on a per-student basis, but then allow for decisions to be made at the local level get rid of tenure, allow bad teachers to be fired, allow good teachers to get promotions and raises, but the idea that we're going to take all of the Chicago City School funding and then distribute it to the areas we think need it most, that means that nobody's needs will be getting met. He also wants to make the schools a community center, which would be phenomenal to allow for people to come there, to have uh, after-school groups, have weekend groups, and allow that area to open up. But we need to encourage parental involvement in that. That doesn't just need to be the state raising the children. You can ask the Soviet Union how well that went. Not well is the uh, short and sweet answer. He does want to implement an anti-racist curriculum, which translates to CRT, which I do not know why we would need to teach students of minority parents that they are inherently at a disadvantage because of immutable characteristics. And that students of white parents that they are inherently racist and they are intentionally or unintentionally, putting others down, and that they need to subjugate themselves. I think instead we should focus on the true message of America, that anyone can succeed, and that the path to success is through hard work and dedication. We don't need to be telling students that they can't succeed. That is a horrible message to deliver we instead need to be telling students that you can succeed that life is not easy but with enough grit and determination you can do it moving on from schooling he moves into gender equity now to begin with he kicks it off with the statement that in the US women are making 77 cents for every dollar that a man makes. That is a flawed statistical analysis. It takes into account only one variable and that is is it men or women? Are you a male or female? And It, it does not account for who works longer hours, what jobs are they typically employed in, It is a lazy and dishonest statistic. If we're going for gender equity, why don't we go for an equal number of suicides? Or how about an equal amount of incarceration? Why do we just focus on, when you look at it by men and women, that women make 77 cents for every dollar that a man makes, if the only thing you're looking at is that? One of the things he has for the gender equity <clears throat> that would be available to all parents is a wonderful thing. He wants to invoke 12-week paid parental leave for all government employees. That's wonderful. I absolutely love that he is wanting to invest in young families and give young families that time to grow together and to be with the newborn. It's a phenomenal effort. He then goes on to say that he wants to support women-owned businesses with tax incentives and other things. My question for him on this would be, why are we not incentivizing all small businesses? Why, why is it that we're going to focus on female and minority-owned businesses? Why not incentivize startup companies that have little or no seed money to begin with, why don't we determine government aid based off of the amount of capital that the company has to begin with? He wants to continue with the affirmative action of making companies hire a certain percentage of women. Again, I go back to why do we not move towards a more meritocratic approach and that companies should hire those who will best achieve the goal so that you will see you will most likely have more female nurses you will have less female bricklayers but again when we talk about this no, we're not wanting a certain percentage of women in all companies and all work it's specific companies and specific industries So why not do away with that requirement entirely, and just focus on that we allow for companies to hire those who are going to complete the job to the best of their abilities? You want companies to work well. You want them to produce good products. Why would you then mandate that they use a labor source that may or may not be able to complete the necessary tasks to provide the output. That overall would be a detriment to society. He wants to reopen uh, health clinics, abortion clinics, and mental health clinics, specifically in low-income and neighborhoods of color. He is incredibly in support of abortion. But does not seem to be very supportive of crisis pregnancy centers. There's no mention throughout his campaign page. Why are we saying that, oh, we're more than happy to, you know, whack the kid, but if you decide to have them, we don't really want to invest in crisis pregnancy centers to help you with that. We'll help you get Contraception. We will help you get access to abortion. But oh, you decided to have the kid. Mm, we may or may not help you there. Unless, of course, you are LGBTQ. He does intend on providing, on helping provide family planning for the LGBTQ community. So if you cannot have the kid on your own as a couple he's willing to have the state step in and help you then. But if you are a man and a woman who decide to have a child, well, you're just on your own. He goes on to say that abortion care is health care, and health care is a human right. It's interesting. I don't know of any other health care that ends in the death of another human life. It's just a point of contention with that statement. He also continues to make claims at different points that the overturning of Roe v. Wade essentially banned abortion, which is incredibly dishonest. The overturning of Roe v. Wade returned the decision back to state legislatures so yes you have had multiple states ban abortion you also have states like Colorado that allow abortion up to and including the point of birth so it is not banned nationwide it is at the state level it was actually the supreme court relinquishing power saying we created law and we should not have done that, that was an error. So they corrected their error and are allowing the people's elected representatives to once again make the law. He also wants to provide free gender affirming care. And he does not delineate between minors and adults. For immigrants, he was wanting to provide them with the CPS status as a uh, protected child so that they would get added budgets, they would get a payout, that they would have added funds, once again just providing more American taxpayer dollars to people who are not here legally. On police, he wants to increase accountability, which I think we can all agree is a very good thing, especially after what we saw in Memphis. I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with how he wants to do it. He wants to fire officers who are associated with the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, and has labeled them as domestic terrorists. But he said nothing about firing people who are aligned with Antifa or the John Brown Gun Club. Just Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. Interesting. He wants to strengthen red flag laws so that you no longer have to have your day in court. That if you are a lawful gun owner and somebody reports you as being mentally unstable, With no evidence, other than believing it was a good faith report, they can confiscate your guns. And then, in the most un-American fashion ever, you as a citizen have to prove your innocence to be able to get your gun back. You are guilty until proven innocent, which is the most un-American way that our justice system can operate. A good thing that he wants to do for the police is he would like to promote 200 officers to the role of detective so that they can have a higher murder closure rate, which is phenomenal. They should absolutely increase their police force. He also wants to publish the demographics, the demographic data of all police interactions. track racial profiling. I think that this may be problematic as it will not allow for the police to operate as they should, because if the only thing that is published is X number of black Americans were interacted with and X number of white Americans and X number of Hispanics, it does not take into account what crimes were being committed, what were people being processed for, the population in the area that the police are in. It is, again, can be a very misleading statistic if it is only taking into account the variable of race. And lastly, he would like to provide more tickets and less arrests. This seems problematic. When you have a city with skyrocketing crime, you need to punish the people breaking the law. A ticket is most likely not severe enough. You have laws on the books, and they should be enforced. That's why they're there. Talking about laws in the books, let's go back to Chicago's status as a sanctuary city. This quite literally means that the city of Chicago is unwilling to help our Immigration and, custo- and, immigration and Customs Enforcement officers track down, detain, and deport illegal immigrants. They are in violation of federal law. And yet I don't see there being an FBI task force invading the city of Chicago, much less even investigating the city of Chicago for these grievances. The state of California is a sanctuary state. And they gained a representative seat due to the influx of illegal immigrants. This is because when Trump was in office before the 2020 census was sent out, he was blocked from adding a required question onto there of are you a citizen, yes or no? So we redistricted and gave House seats out and are giving federal funds out based on the number of people in states with no regard for if those people are citizens or not. So if you are ever feeling underrepresented, underfunded, you know why. Let's continue to talk a little bit more about Common Ground and and California specifically. Recently the San Francisco Board or the San Francisco City Council, created a group to analyze and determine if the city should pay out reparations. They did, and they came back with the number of five million dollars per black resident. And they have since admitted that there was no mathematical formula on how this was derived. And they're wanting the taxpayers to pay it so here's where i think we have some common ground i do not agree with the taxpayers doing it i do agree that slavery is wrong i find it interesting that california is wanting to pay reparations considering it was never even a slave state but besides the point we can all agree that slavery is wrong so how about to pay for reparations we put a tariff a 50% tariff on any products coming into the U.S. that are using labor that is taken advantage of? Any labor that is slave labor? Any labor that is underpaid labor? Any labor that is forced to work, live, and operate in squalid conditions? Let's do that. We can pay out as many reparations as we want, but it will be funded by a tariff on all goods that are currently using slave and undervalued workers overseas today. I think that is a deal we can all agree on. Now let's talk about somewhere that I don't know if common ground will be found. And that is with child sex changes. We've had multiple states move to ban these, including Idaho, Tennessee, and others. Tennessee being one of the most recent. And we have activists freaking out. They are screaming and calling and begging for the mutilation of children. Why is it that you can't go and get a tattoo without parental parental permission, but in the state of California, the state will actually help you transition without your parents' consent? Children cannot consent. Why would we ever allow them to be making these life-changing and life-altering decisions. I'm not talking about letting a child dress in the other gender's clothing. I'm talking about biologically affecting these children by providing puberty blockers, which are not reversible, no matter how many times you say they are. They want to sterilize these kids. They are wanting to chop off perfectly healthy body parts. People are paying for double mastectomies, vasectomies, or vaginoplasties, not vasectomies, phalloplasties. We are mutilating these children, and we're calling it health care. How can we be doing this and saying we're following the science? There is no science that proves that this helps. We are the guinea pigs right now. For instance, the UK recently reversed course on this, and they said they will be going with psychotherapy first to help these children suffering from gender dysphoria, not biologically intervening. France has said the same thing. Italy as well. Finland. Sweden. In fact, there are 13 European Union countries who outright ban child sex changes. Why would we ever encourage the mutilation of children? Once you're a full-grown adult who has complete ownership of their rights and can make all of their own decisions. Do whatever you want. But these parents and these doctors who are breaking the Hippocratic Oath should be charged and thrown in jail. We are currently seeing some lawsuits that could set some precedents on this. There is one currently in the U.S., and there is also one currently going on in Canada as well. It will be interesting to see what comes out of this. Another area where there seems to be little common ground is on gun control. The Second Amendment of our Constitution is quite clear. It says, shall not be infringed. It says the, um, the militia, but it also says the people. So, why not, before you criticize, how about we read the whole thing? But we want to ban assault weapons. Which is an undefined term. And people will continually throw statistics and then horror stories about mass shootings in your face. And I think we can all agree that these mass shootings are horrible events. And it's interesting, there's always one thing that seems to stop a bad guy with a gun... And that's a good guy with a gun. Why would we want to disarm all of the U.S. citizens? Uvalde is a perfect example of this. Those kids sat while the cowards in police uniforms waited for over 40 minutes to go in and save them. Countless children died because of police action because of police inaction. They stopped parents from going in and saving their children. Why would we not allow for U.S. citizens to protect themselves? And when these statistics on gun deaths are brought off, they conveniently leave out that almost two-thirds of them are suicides. And that of those remaining, less than 4% of them are committed with a long gun, much less a quote-unquote assault rifle. As a country, we need to once again decide that we agree upon our Constitution as a governing document. And I think Brandon Johnson has some things that are very very on point. I I love the fact that he wants to do efficiency audits of government agencies. I think it's great that we want to have transparency complete transparency and budgetary transparency with government agencies. These are wonderful wonderful things but those don't matter if we can't agree on how we're going To have our children live those don't matter if we only have one side that is saying well you live and let live and i'll live and let live such as if you don't want to own a firearm that's fine you don't have to it's your personal choice but how do you get to then turn around and tell me or millions of other americans That they can't own a firearm you know how is it okay if we say you know what once you're you know a fully functioning adult you can do whatever you want you know that's up to you it's your your body do with it as you please just don't show my children don't force this on my children how can we have this discussion when governments are more willing to fund abortion than they are willing to help with adoption? For example, an average adoption cost in the U.S. is somewhere between five dollars and $40,000, but they want to provide abortions for free. There are tons of families who would happily accept those children, and this is not to say that our foster system does not need a complete overhaul. It does. So going forward, I think we need to have debates and discussions on both the things we agree on and have common ground on because it exists. There's common ground for everyone. But we're going to have to have these hard discussions in the areas that we do not have common ground either. So to wrap everything up, Let's keep looking for the common ground.